This is episode 55 of The Wrap, a weekly show where I bring you up to speed on the movie news and fun things from the past week. Today is Friday, November 8th, 2013, and I'm your host, TJ. Well, it has been a whole week since I did a podcast. This is one of the longest times I've gone without doing a podcast since I started the Movie Byte podcast. Uh, I guess before I started the rap, I was only doing one show a week, but it just seems like a long time since things didn't exactly work out. Uh, with the Movie Byte podcast last week, I wasn't feeling well, and our schedules didn't allow for a reschedule of that particular episode. And this week's episode is coming a little later of the Movie Byte podcast. We're actually recording that tonight and posting it on Saturday. We'll be talking about Ender's Game. So uh, that'll be fun. And speaking of Ender's Game, Ender's Game was number one at the box office. It had a budget of $110 million, and it brought in $27 million over the weekend domestically, $9.1 million foreign to a total of $36.1 million worldwide. That's not knocking anybody's socks off, particularly at a $110 million budget, but that's doing okay. And it was number one at the box office. So I'm sure we'll see, hopefully, a little more uh, performance out of this film, uh, although we're going up head-to-head this weekend with Thor, uh, The Dark World. So we'll see how that works out. Um, I had never heard of Ender's Game before I saw this film, and uh, before I saw the trailers for this film, and so I decided to go ahead and read the books before I saw the film, and of course that kind of spoils the movie. You know, which, what what movie ever lives up to a good book? But I did enjoy the film. Um, it had some annoyances and some pacing issues, but I did enjoy it, and it is number one this week. Number two, Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. I want to know why this film is doing so well. It had a budget of $15 million. It is now up to $79.1 million worldwide, and it looks absolutely awful. Number three, Last Vegas, uh, to which I say sigh. A uh, budget of $28 million, brought in $16.3 million over the weekend, and that is its, is its current total. And why would anybody choose this nonsense over Ender's Game? I just don't understand. Number four, Free Birds, on a budget of $55 million. Uh, it brought in uh, $15.8 million over the weekend, and that is its current total. This is also week number one for that film. Number five, Gravity. Still hanging in there at the box office. Weekend number five, it is now up to $426.3 million worldwide. This film is doing phenomenally well, and well-deservedly so. Enjoyed the film a lot. Number six is Captain Phillips on a budget of $55 million. It is now up to $125.8 million worldwide. Weekend number four. Not doing nearly as well as I might have hoped. Not doing nearly as well as I might have hoped. It did have to go up head-to-head against gravity, and uh, but it's doing okay. Number seven, 12 Years a Slave. Even in limited release, this film is doing okay. Uh, I mean, look at it. We don't know what the budget for this film was, but it's uh, up to $8.9 million already, and it's not in very many theaters. Only la- only this weekend was it in 410 theaters. The weekend before that, it was only in something like 100 theaters. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens as this film gets wider. Number eight, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. On a budget of $78 million, it is now up to $176.4 million worldwide. Of note, The Counselor is at number nine, and it didn't make very much money. We can definitely call that film a bomb. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be getting a Thor crossover, according to Russ Fisher over at Slash Film. In the aftermath of the events chronicled in the feature film Marvel's Thor The Dark World, Coulson and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pick up the pieces, one of which threatens to destroy a member of the team. This episode airs on uh, November 19th. Jonathan Frakes of Star Trek The Next Generation will be directing and guest stars such as Peter McNichol, Michael Grezadi, 
I'm not saying that correctly, I'm sure. Aaron Way, Toby Wilson, Alex Neustader, what's with the names? Sylvia and Sylvia Brindis. That sounds all good to me. I'm particularly excited to see what Frakes will do with the film. Uh, I'm sorry, with the TV show. I've liked both the Star Trek films that he directed, and those of you who hate Star Trek Insurrection, which he directed, uh, you can just go away because that was a great film. And uh, he's directed several television episodes that I've also enjoyed and several episodes of Burn Notice, notably. So I'm looking forward to see what he will do with the show and certainly looking forward to the Thor tie-in. That will be a lot of fun. Bill Condon had a few things to say about the Fifth Estate disaster. He was the director of the Fifth Estate. Uh, This is according to Entertainment Weekly. By all accounts, The Fifth Estate, Bill Condon's movie about WikiLeaks mastermind Julian Assange, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, was a box office disaster. After a lukewarm reception at Toronto and opening to mixed reviews last month, the film has only made a little over $3 million since its October 18th release. Bill Condon told Entertainment Weekly he blames the lackluster response on Assange. We were also excited around the release date because it was just in the news recently, but the opposite might be true. That is, it simply wore out its welcome, and there is something about Assange. I do think there's something about him that does not suggest an evening's entertainment. Um, You know, as much as I didn't like the film, I am somewhat shocked and irritated and upset and frustrated that the film had no audience. Um, The lack of audience, uh, I don't think it had anything to do with what the... Look, I didn't think it was a great film, but I don't think the lack of audience had anything to do with that because nobody went and saw it. How could they even know it was a bad film? Um, there's just simply a lack of interest in this topic, which which is upsetting to me because this topic needs to be talked about. And this topic is one that needs to be addressed and, and, uh, and Americans especially need to pay attention to it. And I'm um, afraid that they just don't care. And that's, that's frustrating to me. I find that very frustrating. But that's what Bill Condon had to say about the disaster of a film that he directed. So Joe Cornish is rumored to be the frontrunner as the next Star Trek director. According to Oliver over at The Playlist, when he took the Star Wars job a year ago, J.J. Abrams soon confirmed that he would not be returning to direct a third Star Trek movie, which Paramount has been keen to move forward with sooner rather than later. Names like Rupert Wyatt and John M. Chu have been mentioned as potential directors, but according to Deadline, the frontrunner appears to be someone who Latino Review actually mentioned as being on a shortlist a little while ago, Joe Cornish, helmer of the excellent Attack the Block. In the three years since that film landed, Cornish has flirted with projects, comic book adaptation Rust, uh, of which he's since departed, and a version of Neil Stepson's uh, Snow Cash, without any moving forward, although he's been kept busy with scripting work alongside pal Edgar Wright in the event- on The Adventures of Tintin and 2015's Marvel movie Ant-Man, etc., etc. Uh, he's been linked to high-profile sequels such as The Hunger Games Catching Fire, Good Ga- A Good Day to Die Hard, etc., etc. I've never heard of this guy, uh, but I can tell you this. Uh, I would definitely be interested in seeing someone else's take beside J.J.'s on this rebooted universe. Uh, I think J.J.'s ideas were good in rebooting the universe, but I think some of the execution has been lacking. And uh, much, and I say that even having enjoyed Star Trek Into Darkness. But I think that he tends to go for the shiny rather than the substance. I'd like to see whether another director could do that. Now, I've also heard uh, from my, my good pal Fizz, who will be on the Movie Bite podcast this week, by the way, that uh, I, we may not get the fresh take that I, I would be hoping for from Joe Cornish, that uh, he seems like a lower-budget version of J.J. Abrams to Fizz. So we'll see what happens with that. The Hunger Games Catching Fire is on track for a massive $185 million opening. 
Uh, this according to Todd Cunningham over at TheRap.com, not to be confused with the show, The Rap. The Hunger Games Catching Fire is tracking for an opening weekend that could go as high as $185 million when it debuts on November 22nd, based on box office marketing data released Thursday. The higher press release tracking goes, the, the, uh, excuse me, the higher press release tracking goes, the less reliable it becomes, and we're still three weeks away from the opening, but the Jennifer Lawrence sci-fi sequel looks like it will be a box office monster for the distributor Lionsgate Entertainment. I'm not sure how they come up with these numbers exactly, and as it says, the, the, the higher the numbers go, the less uh, dependable they are. But if it gets even anywhere near that, uh, even the conservative estimates the studios have uh, gone in for uh, – let's see. I didn't read that part. Um, I think their conservative estimate is uh, uh, 140 to $150 million. Uh, and they cite a crowded market marketplace, blah, blah, blah. They cite Thor the Dark World and the animated Frozen. Um, so they're, they're not predicting quite as high as $185 million, But even if it gets nearly anywhere near that, that will be a good thing uh, for – for uh, Catching Fire uh, release date. And I'm looking forward to this film, despite some of the things I've heard that have given me a little pause. I've heard much more that gives me much more hope for the film, even than the first film. And I liked the first film quite a bit. So we will see how that goes uh, in a couple weeks. There's a new three-minute trailer for The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Um, and uh, this is obviously, to me, the best trailer we've seen for this film so far. Uh, in fact, I would even go so far as to say it was the best trailer we've seen for the Hobbit series at all, including the first film thus far. It almost makes me look forward to this film, uh, which, which, as I mentioned in my uh, piece that you can read uh, linked in the show notes, I'm kind of of two minds about this. Uh, the nerd in me is certainly looking forward to this film, but uh, The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey was such a bloated film and just didn't didn't have what I was looking for in the film. So uh, it feels like Peter Jackson uh, has uh, lost the discipline and the art of cutting a good film together, and he's not being forced to make tough decisions uh, because he can do whatever he wants. That's what it feels like to me, so... Kind of of two minds about it. Of course I'll see it. Of course I'll see it. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I wasn't all that happy with the first Hobbit film. I uh, wrote a review of Ender's Game, and I released that on Wednesday. Uh, you'll probably want to read that. I had that linked up for you in the show notes. The bottom line is that the film, I, I enjoyed the film. I gave it three and a half stars. I felt like it did have some problems, particularly some pacing problems. And I say that. Uh, having gone into the film thinking, hearing that it had pacing problems and thinking, oh, these people that say it has pacing problems. They, this is, you know, this is the nature of adapting a book to a film. But no, it really did have some pacing problems that I was very, quite, quite annoyed with. And, and so it was unfortunate, but I did enjoy the film. It was uh, fun to see a lot of the things I had envisioned when I read the book on the screen, either in the way I had envisioned it or sometimes even in a, a way I hadn't, but that was better anyway. Uh, and that's the bottom line, but you'll want to check out my review where I go into much more detail. That's linked up for you in the show notes. You'll find it on moviebyte.com. John Favreau is in talks to direct The Jungle Book. This is according to Jermaine Lucier over at Slash Film. John Favreau is in talks to finally make that big budget Disney movie, family movie that we've all been waiting for. No, not Magic Kingdom. Instead, the director of Iron Man and Iron Man 2 is in negotiations to direct a new version of Roger Kipling's classic tale, The Jungle Book. Deadline broke the news of the film, which will be based on a new adaptation written by Justin Marks. Here's what Favreau said to Deadline. I can't say that I can't say that much, but there is an interesting take that could be very cool, and the hope is to relaunch a family brand with certain mythic elements. It is my first real family film since Elf, and there are action elements and visual elements that I feel like my experience on the Iron Man films are going to be useful. 
To all this, I say, what is the deal? Are we really this out of ideas? And truly, Disney has jumped the shark. I just, I'm, I'm not at all interested in this. I, I don't want it. I don't care. And I, I just don't see what anybody would see in this. Saoirse Ronan did not get the role in Star Wars that she uh, auditioned for. Uh, Drew Taylor over the playlist. Of course, with Brooklyn now on her schedule, which does that, what does that mean for J.J. Abrams' Star Wars Episode Seven, which she auditioned for and is expected to be in front of cameras next year? Sadly, it seems like she doesn't have the gig. I don't have Star Wars. I don't have the role, Ronan said, sounding kind of defeated. I just shouldn't have said anything. I just auditioned for it like everyone else did. When we asked about the audition process, she said to pretend that you have a lightsaber in a scene is always very exciting. It would be great, but it's something that everyone's gone up for. I think it's kind of a bummer because I think that Saoirse Ronan is a talented actress as far as I can tell, and I've enjoyed what I've seen her in. Uh, and uh, I certainly understand her excitement over the possible, even just possibly getting the role and why she talked about it before. But, you know, I'm sure we'll be seeing her around. She's a good actress and we'll see her in plenty of films. So that's the news on that front. Blockbuster Video is calling it quits on its physical stores. Uh, this again, according to Jermaine Lucier over at Slash Film. Blockbuster Video killed the mom-and-pop video store, and now technology has finally killed Blockbuster Video. After slowly but steadily closing down locations for the better part of a decade, the company announced Wednesday it is finally going to close the final 300 locations by early 2014 and discontinue its rental-by-mail system by the end of 2013. The brand will remain, however, offering movies digitally. This certainly, uh, this does not frustrate or irritate me or anything like that, but it makes me feel kind of old, actually, because I remember, uh, I remember riding my bike down to the local video store, uh, the mom and pop video store, and uh, it was owned by a guy named Dean Dearborn. I knew the guy, and and he didn't live too far from us. Uh, he, you know, he lived just down the road. I could ride my bike to his house too, and that's where I would go as a kid to rent movies, and then. It wasn't Blockbuster, but another chain movie gallery moved into town and kind of put him out of business. And, uh, you know, so I went and started going to movie gallery instead because Dean Dearborn was out of business. And uh, this is kind of the same way with Blockbuster. Now, now Blockbuster's going out of business. I mean, and I remember going to Blockbuster a lot, too. It was further away, but when we would drive somewhere with my dad or something to pick up a movie that the local video store didn't have. Uh and, you know, but to be honest, all this nostalgia is well and good, but uh, we have it quite a bit better today. Uh, I can pull up Netflix on my Apple TV and browse by cover. Uh, I can browse by title. I can search. I can see what they have. So, yes, it's kind of weird to think about the franchise of Blockbuster going away. And it's certainly sad that it put mom and pop stores out of business. But, you know, by and large, I don't think we're really losing that much Uh in fact, we're gaining in a lot of other ways. I mean, the world is an ever-changing place. The marketplace is ever-changing. The needs of, of consumers are ever-changing. So this is this is the natural ebb and flow of things. Star Wars 7 now has an opening date. Are you ready, guys? It opens on December 18th, 2015. A little later than we were thinking, but that is the date set for the opening of Star Wars Episode 7. It does not yet have a title, but that is the news. Uh... December 18th, 2015. Uh, Woohoo! Exciting. Hopefully it'll be better than the prequels. And before I sign off for this week, for this episode of The Wrap, let's talk about what you might want to see this weekend. Obviously, of course, you're going to want to see Thor. 
uh, Thor The Dark World, rated PG-13. Uh, this is in theaters this weekend, and it's the one that I'm going to see. Really looking forward to it. Uh, don't plan on being disappointed. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, I've heard good and bad things about this film. I really don't believe the bad things, though, that I've been hearing, the negative critical reviews and, and that sort of thing. I think people's expectations uh, from Marvel films have been raised way beyond any point where Marvel or anybody else ever could deliver. Uh, and I think that's been uh, well kind of um, uh, documented by the reception of the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, so, um, I, I, and I think this film will certainly be better than the first Thor film, which I didn't like very much. So that's in theaters this weekend. You'll want to see that. The Book Thief, um, rated PG-13. Uh, this this looks really good. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind the filmmakers were looking at trying to get an Oscar with this film, and and I'd I'd be surprised if it didn't at least come close and certainly compete for it. Uh, it's based on it's kind of a World War II film. Uh, during World War II, a young girl is living with her foster parents outside Munich, and they must hide a Jewish re Jewish refugee in her home. Oh, it looks so good. Be sure to check out the article in the trailers uh, linked up in the show notes for this one. How I Live Now, rated R. This one looks a little weird, but it looks like it could have potential. It does star Sir Ronan, uh, who I enjoy as an actress. Um, so uh, I, I'd like to check it out at some point. Unfortunately, it's in limited release. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see uh, if I can catch it at some point. Uh, but uh, I do I do want to see it, and it looks like it could be good. It is rated R, so there is that. It'd probably be uh, it says it's rated R for violence, disturbing images, language, and some sexuality. So uh, you'll want to be careful there, but if it is playing in your area, uh, certainly check it out. About Time, also rated R. Uh, it looks extremely cheesy. Uh, you know, it's a rom-com, but, you know, it might be up your alley, maybe. Um, it's, it's, it's about a time-traveling, uh, uh, a guy who can time-travel, and he's trying to win his girl. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, this one uh, I haven't mentioned because it's been in such limited release. It's been hard to find. It's finally come to Nashville, and so I'll go ahead and mention it. 12 Years a Slave uh, looks really good. Uh, the, you know, it's about that dark period in America's history where the slavery system was in place and, uh, we were, you know, humans were enslaved to people in the United States, our, our ancestors, our forebearers. And so, I mean, these sorts of films, uh, certainly can be compelling, uh, and remind us of that, which we need to be sometimes reminded of, uh, of the, of the way things used to be and, and where we were and, and where we've come from. So be sure to check that out if it's in your area. Still in theaters, Ender's Game, Gravity, Captain Phillips, The Counselor, Carrie, and Escape Plan. For more on how I feel about those films and whether or not you should see them, be sure to check out my article linked up in the show notes. That's all I've got for this week. If you'd like to view the show notes online, you can find those at moviebyte.com slash therap slash 55. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm TJ Draper Pro. You can also follow MovieByte on Twitter to stay up to date, twitter.com slash moviebyte. And you can like uh, MovieByte over on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviebyte. Of course, be sure to visit the website where we can keep you up to date every weekday at moviebyte.com. That's it. That's all I've got this week. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a terrific weekend.